Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Building Teams with Teams & Co. I'm here today with my co-host Mike and also Tom Finn, co-founder and CEO of Leg Up, as well as the host of the podcast Talent Empowerment. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thanks, Tracy. Mike, thanks for having me. It's great to see you, Tom. Uh, we were having a blast in the pre-show, uh, just sort of chit-chatting, talking football, talking life, talking business. Uh, really excited to welcome you into the podcast. And uh, like we always do, we'd love to start by just having you introduce yourself to to our listeners. Well, uh, my name is Tom Finn. I co-founded a company called Leg Up uh, about five years ago. And the goal of that company is really to uh, improve people's lives in organizations through professional coaching. So we have a network of global coaches around the world. We go into organizations, we work with HR people, and we build programming and support for employees to have sort of that champion for them outside the company. Uh, and we tie it all together in a cool package on an app and in a, uh, with technology. It's super cool. I was just, you know, scrolling through your website and clicking around and it looks like a tremendous product. And one of the things that struck me on it, Tom, was the commitment that you guys have to the science and having so many people that have deep backgrounds in psychology and, you know, leadership and different, you know, real practices that influence and create the product. So can you tell us a little bit more about just what leg up is, how it works, the process? Sure. Well, let's touch on the science piece, which is really important to me. And it probably stems from something that happened to me years ago. So when I was climbing the corporate ladder and I was working in these large organizations, I, I had big teams and, and I tended to find that I was completely over my skis. I had, you know, imposter syndrome like you would not believe. But that led ultimately to anxiety, right? So I would enter meetings and feel very, very anxious and I would do the best I could to calm myself down and, um, you know, read everything I could on it. And ultimately, what it came down to is I just lacked confidence that I could really do this. And so when I started thinking about that, I thought, there's got to be a lot of science behind this, right? There's, I'm not the only person that feels that way when they walk in a room. And so I started unpacking it over the next few years and trying to figure out why um, my mental health, sort of my emotional health, my my ability to lead, all of that's combined with your physical health, right? So I, I started to think about how can I look at the whole person? And it took me about seven years from that moment before we actually started Leg Up, because you got to put some time in first and put a plan together. But ultimately, uh, that's where it all started. And so what we want to measure is sort of the productivity and the well-being of human performance, and then be able to measure it over time and show people that you can improve. Uh, and uh, support your career that way. So that was really the fundamental start of it, Mike. That's awesome. So Tom, can you give us an example of, you know, kind of how, how does a company get connected to you? How does the, uh, you know, the coaching kick off? Is it usually a big group of people at a company? Is it more one-on-one -on -one where maybe one leader is coming to you and saying, hey, I really want to develop somebody on my team? Or do you work with full teams? How, what's that process look like? Yeah, so, so to understand where we are today, a little bit of history is probably helpful again. So the coaching industry um, has been around for 40 years, and it's just been very exclusive to CEOs and high-level executives, primarily driven by cost. 
it's not that there aren't great coaches. There's 20,000 fabulous coaches in the United States, 20,000. That side, the supply side is fabulous. The problem is for, for decades, they've been charging a fortune to senior executives. So what happens in a large company is they'll just take the CEO, the direct reports, and maybe one layer below that. And they'll support you with your own executive coach. And then lo and behold, they soar, right? The people uh, ex- exhibit and exude sort of the behaviors of, of real leaders. They have somebody to counsel them uh, in private one-on-one conversations. So that's fabulous. It's a great place to start. But what about everybody else? How do you get to that position without that support? And so the philosophy of leg up is we want to cover everybody. Now, the reality is we brought the cost way down, but there's still a cost. There's still a human cost, a very personal programming, and it's one-on-one and there's reimbursement costs. So we have to think about that. So to answer your question directly, Tracy, with that as a background, um, we'll go into organizations. We work with HR and talent leaders. And we'll either do a cohort of 50 or 100 people, or we'll cover the entire organization, perhaps if it's a small or medium-sized business. So sometimes if you have two or 300 employees, it can be very affordable to cover everybody. That's really interesting. I'd love to go back a little bit more to, to your story. We're sort of bouncing all over, and I think that's just indicative of there's so many things that we're excited to talk to you about today, Tom. But let's go back to your story. So... Last we we sort of left off there. You were climbing the corporate ladder. You had this imposter syndrome. You dug into everything you could find and learned this isn't unique. Um, lots of people have this. Can you give a little bit more context into what sort of roles you had at the time? What sort of industries you were playing in? And then how did you get from that time of your life, that chapter where you were experiencing imposter syndrome, to now? You're doing all these incredible things with your own business after, you know, it sounds like the imposter syndrome was a little bit misplaced, perhaps, looking at some of the roles that you've had prior to starting Leg Up. Well, appreciate that. I'll, I'll start sort of at the beginning. So um, I, after college, I entered into the insurance business. And most people are thinking, wow, what a sexy industry that is. <laughs> um, and, and that's what I was thinking at the time, too. This is, woo. That, that's where I started my career too, Tom. So it was like my first month. I'm like, why did I go into the sexiest industry on the planet? Yeah. So I, I mean, I it, was, it was great for me dating in my 20s, right? Because the question always comes up like, what do you do? And I work in insurance. And you know, it was the easiest way to end a conversation. Um, typically, then I'd see the back of the head just sort of walking away. Um, so I, I went in the insurance business. And it's really, a, it's not... Um, it's not a bad business at all. It's actually a fabulous business, a great group of people that that are in that business. And I worked in what's called group benefits, which is you know providing employee benefits to all companies in the United States. And so I kind of climbed the ladder as a salesperson, got into a leadership role, and then I went to what we call the medical side of the business, so healthcare, and worked for um, payers or health insurance companies, as we all know them, and uh, sort of grew my business into running teams um, and when I was 28, I, I was running a team of 70 people, three offices in Southern California, and we did about $1.3 billion worth of business. And that's where I started to sort of feel like perhaps I was in a job that maybe was a little bigger than I was ready for at the time. Sure. And so I left, of course, because whenever you're having a hard time with a job, you take a bigger job. That's the way you fix it. 
Uh, <laughs> so, so of course, I left and I took a bigger job with a competitor running the Western region, a company called Aetna. And, uh, and then I started to build, build teams there. And I think that was probably the most fun I've had in my career because I, I sort of felt like I was in the zone and I was kind of getting it. But it was at that point that I realized, wow, I've, I've kind of figured this out for myself, but it's been really difficult over the last seven or eight years. And that's when I started putting the plan together to, to really move on and start leg up. That's awesome, Tom. One of the things that strikes me about what you're talking about is, you know, we all have our personal journeys as we are going, you know, through our corporate career. And it sounds like you really took a lot of your personal learnings and applied them to how do you better support your team and now with leg up so many teams. And uh, obviously we love talking about teams here at Teams & Co., um, so like, what does that look like is if you were sort of to give some advice to a, a new leader or one of those frontline leaders that you're talking about, you know, how would you kind of give them advice to say, Hey, here's how to take your, you know, your experience and help your team continue to develop and help your team continue to kind of be successful. It, it sounds like you were really uh, adept at that as you were, as you were going through your career. Well, I, I appreciate that. It, it doesn't it doesn't just happen with one person, Tracy. You you're around others and you learn from others. So my story is just a, a culmination of being around some other great leaders that I learned from. But I'll give you a couple of core principles that that can help your audience. Um, the first one is as a leader, you want to invert the triangle. So servant leadership is a term that uh, hopefully most have heard of. Um, if you don't know what it means, it means that you at the top of the organization are there to support everybody in the organization. So if you turn that triangle over, you're now at the bottom, right? And you are supporting everybody in the organization who is now above you. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a nice visual way to understand servant leadership. And I think if, if you start with that in mind, that's really the core principle, number one. You are not the boss anymore. You have to empower your employees. Those days are gone. So if you can't, get that concept down, you're going to struggle. If you can, if you can really understand how to support people, that's a great place to start. So that's my first pro tip. Um, the second is what I call, and, and is studied very uh, rigorously, psychological safety. So that sounds pretty intense, but it's very straightforward. Make people feel safe at work. And safety doesn't necessarily mean physical in a you know, wider gray collar office setting. It really means understanding the psychology behind how people feel, and that just start with empathy and kindness. And we always say something around here: assume good intent, yeah, right? 100%. If somebody misses the call, assume good intent. If somebody's late to the office, assume good intent. If somebody leaves early, right? Assume good intent, right? If you start there and you don't let your mind wander as a leader oh my gosh, this person's disrespecting me or they're disrespecting the team. If you can just start with assuming good intent, it'll help with the psychological safety. It'll help with uh, inverting the triangle and, and sort of leading from a place of empathy. Yeah. Tom, those are all things that Tracy and I, we, we've had so many conversations on the podcast, just on phone calls or, or working with organizational leaders about similar principles. And, and the thing that always comes up is they all sound like everybody sort of smiles and nods in these conversations, but they're so hard to actually apply. Um, so one of my favorite questions, and our listeners hear me ask this to tons of people, but how do you take that simple principle that's easy, easy to understand and apply it? Because I think the application is, is much more difficult than the concept. Yeah, the, the application, um, 
has a couple of key steps in my mind that are very actionable. The first one is you have to have an, an individual interpersonal relationship with people on your team. So just start there. If you don't know their, their partner's name, if you don't know that they prefer dogs or cats, if you don't know that they love sports or hate sports, right? If you don't know any of that stuff, you go Broncos. <laughs> if you, Mike's a Broncos fan. Um, <laughs> I, I am a Chargers fan. We're gonna we're gonna leave it right there, Mike. We're not we're not getting into that. Um, way, to take that way, to, way to take that over, Tom. <laughs> uh, so if you can't have an interpersonal relationship, then you're, you're probably going to struggle as a leader. So start there. You got to have interpersonal relationships with your with your team. Okay, so that's actionable step. That means sitting down, whether it's on Zoom or in person, and asking questions about how they're doing, about their family, about their children, and actually caring what the answer is. So listen, try not to just be ready for the next question because you want to be a robot and go through the list of questions, right? It's not going to get you anywhere. So start there. I think the next piece is, okay, I understand this person to the best of my knowledge. I know about their family. I know they love dogs. Um, and now I need to understand what drives them. So second key attribute is what are their individual goals? And their individual goals might be to leave your team. And you've got to have enough um, confidence in your own leadership ability to say, great, if the goal for you in two years is to leave my team and, and go on and do this amazing thing that's the next step in your career, let me be your support system to help you get there. Right, and that is really, really important. What are your goals? And the goals might be, for some, it's I I want your job. Okay, great. Let's figure out how to help you get my job. Um, hopefully somewhere else or in another division. Uh, <laughs> but but in all seriousness, um, start with interpersonal. Figure out what the individual goals are, and and then if you can lighten it up a little bit with some fun events, um, you can really start to build the culture that you want within a team. So. Over the years, I've done tons of things. I've done things from going to uh, memorization courses for three days with my team, where you learn from these great speakers on how to memorize things and and how to be a better sort of thinker within your personal and business life, to offsites where we have dinners and drinks and um, we go through business planning together and we stretch each other in terms of uh, our understanding of the business. I mean, there's lots of different. You can do the golf outing. You can do massages. I've gone to um, nail days with uh, you know female leaders on my team where we're getting our nails done. So you just have to adapt and find things that are fun and interesting to do with your team as well. Tom, I, I love that. And I love the kind of different perspectives there. Um, I also really love that for our audience, it's probably not a new learning that Mike loves the Denver Broncos, but it's probably the first time a guest has usurped uh, the challenge and made their team a higher ranking team and then not let Mike... Uh, try to take that down. So uh, well done there. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate it. Uh, it, was, it was not intentional. I Look, I've got a lot of love for the Broncos. Great organization. Denver's a beautiful city. Great people. Uh, fabulous food. So, I, you know, no issues with the Broncos. But I did grow up in San Diego. And, uh, you know, as, as, as Mike grew up in, in Colorado, uh, you know, you're sort of, you wear the jersey and you're you you wear the stamp and it is what it is. Uh, Tracy, you're Jets fan from New York. I mean, it. This is how things yeah. go. I would. Uh, I would. I would place like friendly bets with Mike on football games, but I. I fear I would lose them all, and I'd probably be like sitting in a Broncos jersey on every podcast. So I have never <laughs> like broached the subject because uh, 
but yeah, no, I have, I have all the, I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimist, Tom. I think the Jets will get there one day and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I, I, they but, will get there. I'm just not sure where there is, um, <laughs> but they'll get there. I'm going to, I'm going to now uh, pass that along to my brother. Who's also a, a diehard Jets fan. The, the, the Cubs won the series a couple of years back. So anything's possible. <laughs> That's right. Um, and before that it was, yeah. it was the Boston Red Sox, right? That were, um, that were really yeah, strong. That, too, that so. one hurts as a Yankee fan. So, uh, but, but Tom, no, seriously, like, but with your second point, I, I really want to kind of drill in on is I think it's one of those things, especially new leaders, but all leaders struggle with, right? You want to develop your team. And there is a fear of like, oh, no, I don't want to lose a team member, right? I don't want to overinvest and then have somebody, you know, leave our team. And what we always talk to, to leaders about is if you don't overinvest, you're going to lose that team member either way, right? Like people want to feel, to your point, that their leader is in it with them. And they want to know that they have a career path and they want to know that that career path is, you know, maybe going to take some turns along the way, but whatever it turns to, I have a leader and I have a team who are supporting me and we have this shared vision of goals. And so how do you in in kind of leg up and your coaches talk to leaders about that, of kind of taking some of the fear out of that, that scenario of like, yeah, there's going to be times that great people leave your team. But more more often than not, if you if you really connect with your team and you give them what they need to be successful, they'll contribute great things to to the team and they'll also probably stay a lot longer than maybe even they envisioned because they feel really happy and supported by by the team and by the company and just would love to hear how you you kind of talk to that. Well, I think the easiest way to describe this is to talk about the boomerang effect. So the boomerang effect is very simply, if you can lift up members of your team and they leave, they're going to come back. And if you support their goals, and you support their next endeavor, their next um, promotion, their next role at another company, at a competitor, at in a different industry, whatever it might be, that's in, important and interesting to them, they will come back. I can tell you that I've been at multiple stops in my career, and I've worked with lots of the same people over and over and over again, because I make a phone call and I say, hey, I'm over here. I know your goals are these. Are they still the same? Yes. Well, if you come over here, let me help you get to the next goal. What's the next goal, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've had, I'll give you an example. I've had a, a salesperson work for me three different times at three different companies. He's absolutely fantastic and love working with him. My executive assistant at Leg Up retired from Aetna after 30 years of being an executive assistant at Aetna. She was my executive assistant at Aetna. And guess where she is now? She's working at Leg Up with me. And she came out of retirement to come work with our team. So there's examples of that, and I'm not the only one. This is not just about me. There are great leaders out there that have, a, have folks that follow them from organization to division to company. And I think that is the boomerang effect. That's what you're looking for. And if, because you're going to make a move at some point, right? As a leader, you're, you're not going to stay in the same job. So the boomerang effect is really the way to think about if, if you're thinking about being sort of more self-serving about, about the behavior. That's actually how I open up the dialogue with with folks who I, I've led over the years is saying, hey, if you look at my resume, you're going to see that I've moved companies, right? We will all move companies in places. And and I find that actually helps the team member also feel comfortable that like, oh, okay, this is a real conversation. They really do want to know what I want to do with other points in my career. And they recognize I might not be here for 20 years, right? And so maybe it goes back a little bit to that personal connection, right? And just kind of as a leader, letting your guard down and saying, hey, you know, there's been times in my career that I've developed and that meant I was moving to a new role in a new company and 
And that's a, that's a natural part of it. And I think it it kind of, again, eases the conversation a little bit and and helps them feel more comfortable sharing, okay, what, what do I want to do? And, and how could I think about this differently? So anyway, I, I really do appreciate that, that anecdote. Well, I think, you know, a job is not a prison sentence, right? And, and leaders sometimes want to hoard all of their, their talent, say, these are mine, stay away. Um, but that's, that's not reality anymore. Um, that might've been back 40 or 50 years ago. That's how organizations operated. Um, these are my people stay out of my lane kind of behavior. Uh, which was in business around the world. But those days are gone. They're long gone. And you've got to lift people up. You've got to empower your talent. You've got to give them the tools and resources they want and need so that they'll stay. And they'll vote. It's very very simple. They vote with their feet. They either, either mm-hmm. stay stay with you on your team or they walk out the door and you'll know either way uh, how you're doing. And I think most of us have been there where either we have... I had... The best boss I've ever worked for, probably he he was amazing, and I worked for him in multiple different contexts on multiple different teams because he was a tremendous leader, and because we worked well together, and because I knew that we had each other's backs. Yep. And then I've left an organization because I had a leader that was not a strong leader uh, in an organization that didn't have a strong culture, and that's very very real. Tom, my my next thought there is: can it be taught? Right? Can you learn? how to do this well? Are, are some people just naturally gifted in empathizing and knowing how to ask the questions and just caring? Um, are some people just born that way and other people aren't and, and they're sort of SOL? Or, or how do you learn and develop those as a leader? Yeah, look, I, I think that there are multiple buckets of personalities that can be in leadership roles. It's not one type of personality that can be in a leadership role. I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine uh, who is an actuary by trade. Um, for those of you that don't know, an actuary is sort of a mathematician of insurance products. Uh, and he they are geniuses. Yeah, he, but he's an in, he's very much an introvert. He's very much a math data sort of geek, self described, and he is a fabulous leader, absolutely fabulous because he's so empathetic and he feels other people. And he feels their energy, and he's so good at providing support, giving a vision, and and building a team culture. But none of us would really stereotype him as the perfect leadership profile. But he's fabulous. So it's not about what your what your core personality is. To me, it's really can you learn the behaviors of what good leaders have done decade after decade after decade? And you know, a hundred years ago, we looked at military leaders, right? And this country mm-hmm. was founded on military leadership. And then you, uh, and then you sort of move into these great leaders decade after decade, and uh, there's a lot of learnings if you start to read up on people and how they led, and then you start to transition into modern times and adapt some of those core principles that we've talked about and, and you both talk about on your podcast from show to show. So my sort of wrap on this is no one personality is a leadership personality, but you do have to work at it if you want to be a great leader. I had a... a a great boss of mine uh, once say, um, "Leaders are readers," and she um, she always pressed it. What book are you reading? Leaders are readers. You've got to be reading anything. Doesn't matter. You've got to be reading. And I think we can translate that into podcast too. What are you listening to today? Right? <laughs> what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? How are you building up your own brain? Yeah, that's awesome. I think that that um, 
what I'm what I'm hearing kind of through that is is this theme of empowerment. So I'm going to take this opportunity to kind of shift a little bit, Tom, and ask you about your podcast. As as fellow podcasters, we would love to hear a little bit more about your show, Talent Empowerment, and the guests that you have on it, and you know what what our guests could you know be learning if they, to your point, tune into another podcast and and hear another perspective. Yeah, well, well, thank you for the shameless plug, Tracy. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> We've got some practice you know, as fellow podcast hosts to to turn the tables and uh, make sure your your podcast uh, gets some airtime. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So we just kicked off in February of 2022. Um, the podcast is mainly focused on talent leaders, HR leaders, people leaders uh, around the world um, that are doing really extraordinary things for their people, and the idea is to share all of these different new tools, practices, behaviors that can be implemented by other organizations. And so the reason I'm focusing there is because that role of people leadership is so critically important in today's day and age. They've, I feel personally like HR and people leaders have been undervalued for decades. It's been compliance, you know, keep us from getting sued. Here's a learning management system with some courses. Um, and all of that's important, sure, but their real gift is getting back to people and culture and really building people and culture. And, and we want to lift up those stories of really talented people uh, and people leaders uh, that are doing extraordinary things. And that's what we're doing on the Talent Empowerment Podcast. Yeah. Tom, digging a little bit more into leg up. Um, so I, our listeners will know that I founded a business in 2019 uh, with an amazing co-founder. It has been a heck of a ride and it's it is uh been the highest highs and for sure the lowest lows um that I've experienced in my career. Can you talk more about your founding journey? Um would love to hear more about the relationship that you have with your co-founder um and, and just you know share a little bit more about what it's been like for you stepping from a leadership role at a large organization into you know founding what has become leg up. Yeah, so my story is um, unique and, and individualized, just like everybody else's. I, I left uh, Aetna at the time. I, uh, I went cold, cold turkey. I, I left on <laughs> December 31st, and I started Leg Up essentially uh, on the following Monday. Uh, and that was a, a really tough transition to make. I, I went from being in a big corporation and having a team and, uh, oh, I don't know, having an income uh, to... Uh, to sort of self-funding or bootstrapping a startup. And so what I did the year prior is I started saving my pennies. I started putting financial plans together. Um, I refinanced my house. Uh, I took cash out of my house. I remortgaged my house. And, um, and I sold all my Aetna stock. And I basically put a pile of cash in an account and said, okay, how much time do I have? And I had about yeah. a little over a year that I could figure out how to make money out of leg up. And uh, ended up taking me two years. Um, I went without a paycheck for two years, sort of scratched and clawed through it. And then finally, we raised a small round of capital for a couple of million dollars and, uh, and started to build out the team. And that's where things started to kind of click. Um, but Mike, to your point, it's not without sleepless nights. Um, it's not without uh, real challenges, budgeting challenges. I'm, I'm a dad. Um, I now have three kids. I had I had one when I started leg up. I now have three. Um, wow, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, it's not without its, its personal components and its professional components. But I guess my point is, 
look, if you're, if you're out there and you want to start a business, start with planning and really understand what it's going to take and start to do your budgeting. And then make sure you've got a little bit of time, a little bit of runway uh, before, you, uh, before you jump ship. That's no, that's, that's, I think we would all, uh, as founders, uh, agree with that, Tom. And I'm really just impressed that you started the next Monday. I, when I, uh, when I left the corporate world to start my own company, I took a, a month off and went to Australia and New Zealand to like fully, you know, decompress and have a break. So I'm much more uh, impressed with your approach. I, I don't know if I would have been able to make the shift that quickly. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a little bit of a backstory there, Tracy. So my co-founder and I, we met in graduate school. And we were both getting our, our MBAs at USC. And we, we were both working at large corporations. And so every Friday afternoon in 2017, um, at about 3 o'clock, we would go to a small office that we rented. And we painted whiteboard um, paint from floor to ceiling. So all that was in this mm. very tiny office was a whiteboard and markers and a couple of chairs. And we whiteboarded the business model uh, of leg up. And, and then we'd erase it and we'd whiteboard something else. And then we'd erase it and we'd whiteboard something else. And we basically said, okay, if we can come up with something in the next four months, we'll start a business together. If we can't, well, this was a fun experiment. And ultimately, after all that whiteboarding and a few cervezas on Friday afternoon, uh, we figured out uh, how to um, put a business together. And we were 100% wrong wrong we were totally wrong and we yeah. what we did is we said we are going to start a professional coaching and development marketplace we're going to start a marketplace there's 20,000 coaches there's all sorts of training companies we're going to create the platform where it's a marketplace you come in you price your own products and services we take a small percentage and employees and organizations buy from us so 2 years later when we had no customers we figured out that that was the wrong way to go <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah. The market, the market was very clear that that was not the right thing to do. Um, and so right. then we pivoted into, uh, and we changed our software completely into enterprise support for closed networks of coaches that were trained and developed and onboarded by us, products that were designed by us, science that was designed by us. And, uh, and then we started to have our first uh, sets of clients. Yeah. What was it like, Tom, in those years where you were struggling and and gaining the the market feedback that was that that ultimately led to a really good thing? Um, but at the time, I'm sure felt pretty pretty terrible. I think the hardest part for me was trying to determine how long to stick with the original idea. And I think yeah. founders struggle with this all the time. Because you want yeah. to have conviction in the face of adversity, and you want to say, yeah. this, is, this business is going to work, and I know it's going to work, and I just need another month, another quarter, another whatever it is, right? But then there's a time where you have to look in the mirror and say, my, my vision for where I want to go, it's correct. I want to empower employees at every level of the company to have support, no matter if you're a brand new employee or you're the CEO. That's a pretty good vision, right? There's nothing wrong with that vision. But maybe the strategy wasn't right to get there. And so you have to admit to yourself, and, and I had to do this, the marketplace strategy wasn't correct. Okay, right. so what are you going to do about it? 
Now, it took me two years. I think at about probably 18 months, Mike, I started thinking, this isn't working. We're going to have to change this somehow. And, and then you're just listening to customers. And they're saying, if you just had it this way, if the product just looked like this, I could buy it. If you could just change these five things. And so we started listening to that advice. And that's when we turned the company around. And that's really what got us going. But two years was a long time working in one direction to then turn that ship. Yeah, I want to pull out a couple principles here that I think are hugely applicable, regardless of you know whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you know you, you work you work in something completely different at a larger corporation or whatever. One is the importance of vision and having a vision that that resonates and is true and is aspirational and you can work towards. Right. So, time your vision was right, the way that you were executing it, you learned maybe not so much, but. I think for you know those of us who are entrepreneurs, setting a vision that is something that is motivating, something that is needed, um, is so important. And those times when you know you look at the P and L, it's like, man, this is not looking the way that I I was hoping that it would. That can be so important. But then the importance of customer feedback and a commitment to to having the humility to say. Yes, I had a a way that I thought was correct, and ultimately, I'm a sample size of one, and my opinion doesn't really matter, and this is what customers are telling me is so important, and setting a strategy that is customer-focused, that is inspired and informed by true market and customer feedback is super critical, and I think that takes a, a lot of humility, and then something else that I think is really deeply personal and every story is different, but I've wrestled with this thought a lot of what looks like perseverance and tenacity to one person can look like just foolishness and stubbornness to another person, right? Especially when you say, Hey, I've budgeted it for a year and it's taken two years. And I, th- I feel like most entrepreneur entrepreneurship stories are along those lines. I think it's going to take this long and then you double it plus some, and that's how long that's it, right. it actually yeah. takes. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a really critical challenge to step back and, and say, am I being really tight fisted in, and lacking humility and saying, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to cling on to the, the original idea so tightly that, you know, you're not necessarily just being tenacious, but you are sort of stepping into that realm of foolishness or are you listening to feedback? Do you have really good indicators that you're onto something? You're listening to customers and you're making strategic choices that enable you towards that eventual vision. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that there were a couple bite-sized takeaways there that I I made not so bite-sized. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think it's all good points. And, and Tom, I, I realized we've, uh, we've taken a turn into more of a serious entrepreneurship discussion what I'd love to do is, uh, you know, I know we want to obviously respect your time, but I'd love to end the podcast on like a, a really positive note, right? So as you think about Leg Up and all the teams that you guys are helping, like, what's your like most exciting moment as a leader, right? Like we often talk about all the challenges of leadership, but we don't often talk about the fun stuff. So as you think about your leadership journey, what's what's the most fun? I think it's the customer stories of the people you help. And, and those people that we help are HR leaders that have never had people analytics. They've never been able to see the data on productivity and well-being of human behavior on their teams. And for them, they can finally see 
that their teams are either thriving or they're struggling. It's not really what the answer is. It's that you have the data and you're able to then make decisions based on facts, data, and logic. I think that's probably number one. But when it what it really comes down to is when we get members that are going through our programming and they say, this changed my life, or I was going to resign because I thought that the company wasn't right for me. But what I realized is everything is in my control and I can change my behavior. And this is actually the company I should be at. And I'm going to stay right? Or I was really, we have some nurses that we've been uh, supporting during COVID. And for nurses to say, I've been, I've been struggling at work and my coach and this support team from leg up um, made my life tolerable for the last couple of years. And I was able to have a great relationship with my family and come into work with empathy, even through all of those challenging days. And so it's those customer stories that I think lift up entrepreneurs. They certainly lift me up um, because they're human. And and this is why I went two years without a paycheck was to help other people figure this out so they didn't have to go through the same difficulties that I did. Yeah, that's really powerful, Tom. And I think um, that sort of deep connection that you have with the customers, I don't know, you, you just exude it. Um, it's very, very obvious. And I think that it's it's clear to see what sort of pulled you through. Um, so some tough years and I'm just really excited to see what you guys do in the coming years. Um, I'm excited to see the results of the podcast and I just would encourage all of our listeners to go check out uh, leg up. That's L E G G U P with a very cool logo, by the way, I love the branding that you guys have. Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, it, it's intended, the two G's are intended to be the infinity sign, uh, right? So lifelong learning. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of how we tied the whole thing together at the beginning was we want people to be lifelong learners. We want to give people the support for their career, for their lives, for the space that they're working. And that's where it came from. So that's a little background for you, Mike. I love it. I love it. I think that the symbology there is, is fantastic. So yeah, I would encourage everybody to go check out Leg Up and, and your podcast as well, Tom. And we'll include the links for those in our show notes. Um, before we sign off for today, I want to encourage everybody to go, you know, wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, hit us with a like, a thumbs up, uh, leave us with a five-star review and a comment. It really helps us to grow the podcast and get in front of more people. Uh, and if you have any questions or comments for us, drop those in the comment section uh, and we'll, we'll get back to you as we always do. But we we appreciate all of our listeners for taking the time to tune into another edition of the Building Teams with Teams and Co podcast. Tom, I'm I'm just so excited to have made this connection and excited to see where you go, uh, where your organization goes and to stay in touch. Yeah, Mike, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. I love what you're both doing. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, if I can support you both in any way, I'm, I'm here for you as well. Awesome, Tom. We really appreciate it. And if nothing else, you've got two new podcast listeners for talent empowerment. So uh, we look forward to tuning into the next show and, and can't thank you enough for joining us today. So thanks again. Thanks, Tracy. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.